Welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of Two Larrys and a Mike. I'm Larry Dowdy. I'm Larry Bly. And Mike? Where's Mike? Mike? Where's Mike? Mike is... Oh. Oh, my heavens. It's learning to do the clam. (laughs) Didn't you tell me when it comes to doing the clam... You just lay there? That's it. You and know so what clams do? They just lay. <laughs> <laughs> that's from the movie uh, Girl Happy, by the way, I discovered after yeah. I started playing around with it. But yeah, the clam was not a particularly exciting dance to do. Well, really you know, it was Elvis, so it had to be a little exciting. I have a question for you. Yeah, go. Going into this silly thing. Mm-hmm. Podcast listeners, yes. we're hearing from them. We get mostly not horrible reviews, I don't think. Mostly they're pretty nice. Now they're, they're very nice. But podcast listeners, uh-huh. are they podsters or pod people? <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of wondering about that. Well, them. I don't know. But, uh, I, hey, uh, and our thanks to uh, Tad Dickens from The Wrong Times. Oh, wonderful did article. A, did a great story. And uh, thanks to all of our new listeners who've checked out the, uh, the podcast. We've got uh, quite the bump. So uh, Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you very thank much. You, we uh, appreciate it. The fact that anyone would want to listen to any of this nonsense. <laughs> hey, we, we, we just show up here and just have fun. That's but, you all. know, that was my entire radio career. The fact <laughs> that anybody would want to listen to my nonsense always was shocking to me. But I was always grateful. I understand. Always grateful. I really do. So we're doing Elvis We're today. doing Elvis and because... And by the way, this is Elvis week. Did you know it that? Is, it is Elvis week because Elvis uh, would have been 86 Tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he won three Grammy Awards. Yeah. That's all. And they were all for gospel. Gospel albums. Really? Yeah, it's true. None of his big hit records, and he had tons of them, Uh and sold, Uh uh, according to RIAA, who takes keeps tabs on us over six hundred million units? They call it now today. Wow! Mm-hmm. But he only got three Grammys, and he never attended the Grammy Award. That's interesting. Well, they didn't have a buffet. Well, <laughs> anyway. And in Cheap my shot. other podcast, uh, Mike's side, I was talking to Kenny Shelton, who's a great uh, Elvis impersonator. Oh, is he really? He, yeah, 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 yeah. He was telling me. I asked him, uh, you know, if Elvis was still doing music today, what do you think he'd be doing? He said probably more. Um, more gospel. Yeah, I believe that. I believe yeah. that. But, you know, he did make a transition in the 70s to uh, message songs mm-hmm. in, the, in the ghetto, Suspicious yeah, Minds. Yeah, that's true. The, the colonel did not like that, but that's what he did. So anyway. <laughs> well, the colonel, uh, hey, he, he got probably uh, paid pretty well for being around, what, two decades, I think it was. Well, he stole them blind. <laughs> yeah, he so. did. Everything you read, he stole them blind. Yeah. Oh, what, what, what do you got around your neck there? You see what I'm, I'm wearing today? Mm-hmm. My Elvis Entourage VIP tour. Well. This pass got me... Uh, Where did it get you? <laughs> about $150 out of, <laughs> out of money. That's what it got me. Uh, now, when you, they've fancified the place so much, they've built museums, which are yeah, wonderful museums, yeah. by the way. They've built a coffee shop, a... Aunt Gertie's ice cream parlor and all sorts of restaurants and um, and then if you're lucky you get to go way back oh they built a huge theater indoor theater which is currently being used well it was until the uh, our recent problems with mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. were being used by major groups appearing in Memphis that's where they would appear wow and now you've been to Graceland how many times four times wow yeah four times but then. 
finally at the end of the tour you say what's that little building back there on the hill oh that's graceland itself <laughs> it's been i mean they've built all this stuff around it it's yeah. amazing it really is so, that's fantastic well, like, i've never been to graceland but i want to go okay well yeah. can you, i borrow your pass you can't here yeah okay thanks take this off i'll give it to you <laughs> uh you know before we get too much into the uh, the elvis years uh we've got some obits to get to oh that's as always well. sad yeah it really sad. is uh dawn wells who played uh, Marianne Summers on Gilligan's Island, uh, died at 82, COVID-related. Yeah, that's sad. And let me, before you go on to something else, let mm-hmm. me tell you that uh, we're going to do a follow-up on that. Oh? Yeah, because uh, our own Steve Stinson, he yeah. of, used to be of one of Tom's famous cartoonists, mm-hmm. as you know, and uh, also an editor down there, and he's done many things. He's such a talented artist. He's still doing art. But anyway, he has a, a tie into her. I think he helped, really? I think, and I'll find this out mm-hmm. because we'll have it on our next podcast, hopefully. I think that he helped her uh, write her biography and actually traveled around with her for a while. Cool. Now, I had an opportunity to interview her one time. She was just so, so sweet. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I was sorry to, uh, to hear about it. Do you realize uh, for the role of Marianne, she beat out 350 actresses? Oh, really? Including... Raquel Welch. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about <laughs> about that. <laughs> but think about it. Well, you why, know, why would you want Raquel Welch and Tina Louise? Well, I was going to say, if you got Raquel Welch, nothing would have gotten done on that island. <laughs> Not that much got done anyway. Of course, if Jim Baggis, <laughs> you know, the best bulbs are GE. <laughs> You know, he was the voice of GE for years, Mr. Oh, yeah, Ma- and Mr. Yeah. Mr. Magoo. Magoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, who else uh, do we want to remember here before we get started on Elvis? Alto Reed was 72 oh. years old. He was sax player mm-hmm. for Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, and he gave us these notes. What's up? the song would have ever been the same without that saxophone well you know oftentimes intros to songs sort of define them mm-hmm. they really do yeah so anyway yeah. like these boots are made for walking that was done by a bass guitarist they were sitting around saying you know we can't find a beginning to the song and she says, well, how about this? Do, 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 do. And it was a defining moment. Yeah. And to this day, considered just brilliant what she did in that song. In that song. The so old, uh, we just stumbled on it response. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we stumbled on this hit. Did you know that um, uh, Alto Reed also played for Foghat, Grand Funk, uh, Little Feet, Dave Mason, Spencer Davis, Blues Brothers, and George Thurgood. No, I did not know that. Yeah. You so, always know so much more well, about that. You, you know, you come prepared so much more than I do, Lair. All this uh, gray matter up I, here. I just really need to get with the program, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Jerry Marsden. Lead singer of Jerry and the Pacemakers. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's yeah. passed away. And Chad, Chad and Jeremy. Yep, Chad yep. and Jeremy. Uh, Chad Stewart. Chad Stewart. Um, he was uh, he was the one with the 
spectacles. Well, if you say so. I <laughs> yeah. uh, see. Uh, of course, they're known for their uh, their hits. Yesterday's Gone, Summer Song, uh, Willow Weep for Me. Beautiful uh, songs. Yeah, yeah. Very well-produced songs. They, uh, they met at London's Central School of Speech and Drama. Oh, really? And formed a friendship and started singing uh, together back in 1962. Mm. Yeah. And uh, one quick note from uh, the country music, Katie Oslin. Uh, she passed away. So, uh, wow. I mean, what a heck of a way to get started. You know what? Sometime we're going to have to do a country thing. Yeah. Yeah. We could do that. You, you Maybe know, country crossover. Well, yeah, that would be good. I could handle that. <laughs> See, I never played country music ever mm-hmm. on the radio. Ever. But that isn't to say I didn't like country music. I grew up with country. Sure. I grew up on a farm, for heaven's sake. Right, you know, right. But anyway, so I know a lot about older country music, but not so much, you know, the last 70 or 80 years. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to brush up on. That's where I'm going to call on you to come in and help me out Okay. Well, well, yeah, we'll, we should we'll do, that. do that. Yeah, yeah cross, crossover do. country that, uh, you know, made it into a... Uh, Pop top forty. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. Uh, a, a show to be done down the road. Okay. Let's get back to Elvis right now. Here's a guy, born in Tupelo, Mississippi, mm-hmm. relocated to Memphis mm-hmm. with his family when he was thirteen. Music career be- began in '54, recording at Sun Records uh, with uh, producer Sam Phillips, who wanted to bring the sound of African American music to a wider audience. Sam was a very interesting dude. Read quite a few books on him. Do you mm. want to know a little bit about him, too? Well, you're getting ready to yes. say something. Yes, go ahead. Well, you know, Sam Phillips basically was, he was a radio station engineer, and he also did some on-the-air work. But he started something called, he, he started out with Sun Recording Studios. He mm-hmm. started out with something called the Memphis Recording Service. But it wasn't just for music. Okay. And, in fact, he would record anything or anyone that would come through the door. Uh, he just charged by the hour, and he even had portable equipment and go out and, like, if you wanted to hire him to record your wedding mm-hmm. or your <laughs> sermon uh, or or maybe your funeral. Well, I doubt that you would call him and say, come record my funeral right, if, right. if you were the dead person. <laughs> but he would show up. And so basically that's what he did. So he, he started the Memphis Recording Service. Mm-hmm. However, eventually, because there were so, so few recording studios around back in those days, Talented people would come through the door and want to record because there were were no places to go, hardly, Mm -hmm. at all. And this is why independent labels discovered so much raw talent. They just walked through the door, as did Elvis. And others like Ike Turner, who recorded Rocket 88, considered by many to be the first rock song ever recorded. Mm. It was recorded at Sun Recording Studios. Mm -hmm. Sam soon found himself in the record business, and Sun Records was born. Wow. He really had no intention to be in the records business. But Sam found himself in the same situation as many little independent labels did. It was hard to get stations to uh, play their stuff. And then if the song hit, they had distribution problems. That was mm-hmm. the real big bugaboo. What, they couldn't download? <laughs> they could just hardly <laughs> do anything. And they often had difficulty getting enough records pressed. If they mm-hmm. had something hit real big, right, they'd have right. to go and beg and plead with the wow. record. Big labels, RCA, Capital, all of those people could promote their stuff nationally, get it on the air, press a million copies, get them to the store in days. Mm-hmm. Independents couldn't do that, so they had a great disadvantage. The single most question asked of Sam Phillips for the rest of his life, and I'll bet you know what this is. Do you know where the bathroom is? Now, that's not it. <laughs> 
Do you ever regret selling off Elvis's contract to Colonel Tom Parker and RCA? And you know his answer always was? What? Right till the day he died. No. Never intended to run a record label to begin with. Couldn't have given him the support and publicity he'd get with RCA. So it was great for him, Elvis, but it was good for me because I needed the money to build my new recording studio around the corner from Sun Records, which he was working on. Wow. Which he engineered himself, by the way, because he was yeah, an engineer. Yeah. Sam would go on to uh, own several radio stations, too, mm -hmm. by the way. A very successful recording studio that I think his son still run to this day, I believe. That's and did a you great know, story. Did you know that you can actually rent the original Sun recording studio? No. Groups often do. Yeah. And um, so the last time I was there, we, we went on the Sun tour, which mm -hmm. also changed considerably. There were busloads of people rolling up. Yeah. Previous time I was there, it was like six of us you know, standing in this room. But I asked the guy at the end of it, I says, if I wanted to rent yeah. Sun Recording Studio, what would you charge me? He said, $200 an hour includes an engineer. And I said, that is just too cheap. That's just amazing. Now, he said, having said that, yeah. you can't use the control room because it's historic. It's got all the old equipment. So he says, what they have to do is run the mics out the back door, the cords, and you have to park your own unit back there okay. mixing. So he said, that's where the cost comes in. So you're just using the studio. You're just using the studio to say, oh, my gosh, I got to record in Sun Recording Studio. So, Oh, that's what a great story. Yeah. And uh, what was it? Uh, Elvis first recorded for Sun Records, age of 11. Is that so, yeah. really? I was just uh, looking at some of the most successful chart singles from RCA and Elvis. Uh, the number one song uh, was Don't Be Cruel, Summer of 56, 11 Weeks. And number one. And you know, when I was coming up a radio, Elvis was passe, I thought. Because mm -hmm. I was with all, all the new rock and roll, right, the right. Beatles and all that, Stones and all that stuff. So I didn't play much Elvis when I first got on the air. In later years, I've gone back and listened to a lot of that music and really was well produced. It was really good. Because, you know, he had the Jordan Airs behind him, the right, Sweet Inspirations. Right. Yeah, yeah. When he came to Roanoke, he had all of those plus a huge band. <laughs> I'd never seen so many people on stage in my life, really. <laughs> The Jordan Airs alone, yeah, just amazing. No, he, br he brought half of Memphis with well, him. Well, they backed up everybody. Yeah, they backed up yeah. people. They were studio musicians. Do you realize between 1956 and 1977, Elvis released 106 singles? Get out of here! 106. No kidding. Well, he was very busy. He was quite prolific, and you know the problem always was. After they discovered how much money was made in mm -hmm. touring, yeah. they wanted to tour all the time. But then right. the record companies and managers would say, no, you've got to come in here and record <laughs> something once in a while. And it was, it was always a balancing act. It still is to this day. Yeah, well, I, and I guess for Elvis, it's uh, come in and record something or go do a movie. Yeah, he did a lot of, yeah, about five or six. <laughs> really bad. Clinkers. <laughs> well, Stan Freeberg had a lot of fun oh? with, uh, with Elvis. This is probably one of the funniest things Stan ever did. Down at the bellhop's tears keep flowing The desk clerk's dress is black Well, it's been so long and long to see Well, let her get back Let her get back It's a lovely It's a lovely thing It's a lovely thing It's a lovely thing That's not all of it, like... 
Rooms always crowded You still can find some room For broken hearted lovers To cry there in the gloom And let you so lovely back 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 And let you so that's too much echo See, and I thought Green Christmas was something. I've never heard this. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Never heard. Stan Freeberg. Absolutely. That's Stan Freeberg. He absolutely wonderful. Good stuff. Hey, you want a local Elvis story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Stevens, uh, City of Salem mm-hmm. Communications Director, he shared this with me. This was an article he wrote in Salem Magazine in the fall of 2016. This was uh, issue 33 regarding Elvis and the summer of 76. Uh, Big E spent three days at the Sheridan Hotel off 81 in Salem. Uh, It was a time when things weren't going well for Elvis. Uh, His inner circle was falling apart. Uh, There were health concerns. His handlers had contacted Salem Police Chief at the time, Harry Haskins, asking for help with security during his stay. When Elvis arrived at Woodrum Field. <laughs> Boy, that was a long time ago. <laughs> chief Haskins met Elvis's plane. The chief transported Elvis, his girlfriend Linda Thompson, his bodyguard, his business manager, and his traveling physician. They all piled into a 1976 unmarked Plymouth Fury. <laughs> uh, ready for this? Haskins, hmm. in a department memo, July of 76, said Presley had reserved 78 rooms. Fifteen of those were located by the swimming pool. The rest covered the second floor. Elvis and Linda uh, had three adjoining rooms that was turned into a suite. Haskins went on to say in the article that Elvis uh, took all of his meals to his room, only left to travel back and forth to the show. As for the Plymouth Fury, the city of Salem decided to try to sell it. And since there was no internet back then, I know it's hard to imagine a time when there's no internet, uh, but since there was no internet at the time, uh, Salem's assistant city manager, Randy Smith, advertised it in three papers in Houston, Nashville, and Memphis. The three ads cost the city $241. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had a car that was five years old, 49,000 miles on it, but it came down to two bids. One from a female Elvis fan in Pittsburgh who bid a dollar because she felt that they should be ashamed of themselves for trying to make money off the death of the king. Oh, yeah, like nobody ever did that. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, but the winning bid came from Houston, a Texas millionaire, George Appleson who passed away back in 2014, purchased the car for $2,632.12. Seems reasonable. 12 cents? Yes. What's that about? $1,100 more than his trade-in value. (laughs) He wasn't just a car collector. He was an Elvis fan, so he wrote two checks. One was in the amount of $1,819.35 to cover the cost of the car. The other was $816.77. What makes those numbers so significant? The first one is Elvis's birth date, January 8th, 1935. The second, you guessed it, the day he died, August 16th. Oh, dear. Mm. 1977. How grim. So 
Thank you, Mike Stevens. That's a wonderful story. Yeah, that really yeah, is. Yeah, I, uh, I was not aware of that. I have a little clip here uh, of Elvis. You know, of course, he went in the Army. Mm -hmm. And uh, after he served a year, I think it was, then he got transferred to Germany. And this is an interview, just a couple of short clips of uh, him as he's getting ready to depart for Germany. Well, yes, sir, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. In fact, uh, before I came in the Army, we were planning a tour of Europe. Uh, I've never been out of the States except to Honolulu. And, uh, Rock and roll music is very big over in Europe, in Germany and, and uh, all over Europe. In fact, I, I think my fan club, uh, my fan club's probably doubled. Since you've been in? Yes, sir. Are you surprised that you're as big a success and a lasting success as you are now? Did you think it was going to turn out this well? I didn't know, sir. I, I was hoping, but uh, I just took every day as it come along. I, I didn't anticipate that I was going to do well, or I didn't anticipate I was going to die out. How many gold records do you have, incidentally? Twenty-five, sir. Twenty-five? Twenty-five? Yes, sir. That's tops, isn't it, in the business? Eight. Sir, they're, they're behind time. I, uh, I, I have 25 uh, million sellers and two albums that have sold a million each. And, of course, there'd be a lot more to come wow. after that. But uh, what happened was, uh, I do have something to follow up on that. There's a reason why he didn't travel so much overseas and never... Uh, performed over there because Colonel Tom Parker mm -hmm. wouldn't allow him to, wouldn't allow him to leave the country, as a matter of fact. Colonel Tom Parker, here, there was this book I brought in, Elvis and the Colonel by mm -hmm. Dirk Valenjo with Mick Farron. Anyway, he says he called himself Colonel Tom Parker and he claimed to be a West Virginia native, but few knew that he was actually born in Andreas, he was actually born Andreas Van Kujik in Breda, Holland. Few know because Parker kept it a real close secret. An investigation reporter, this Dirk guy, uncovers in this shocking book into the life of the man who managed Elvis, Van Kuzik, was an ignomatic, unscrupulous character, <laughs> a brilliant promoter, and a less-than-brilliant manager who was responsible for a series of really poor career decisions that may have well stifled the and underutilized one of rock and roll's greatest talents. So there's all theory, of course, that uh, the reason that he wouldn't... He did let him go to Hawaii, but Hawaii's a state. Right. But he, except for when he was in Germany in the Army, he never toured, and it probably cost him an awful lot of money because uh, the colonel was a stinker. You know, I don't know whether you know this or not, the colonel started out... Uh, in uh, carnivals, and he was a carny. And uh, he traveled around with carnivals and circuses, mm -hmm. and he had an act, and the act was the dancing chicken. Remember <laughs> telling you the story? <laughs> so for so much money, you could go in the tent, and, of course, he collected the money at the front door, and uh, then he would, uh, like, put the record turkey on the straw or something <laughs> like that. You know. and, the, and the chicken would literally start dancing. People were amazed at this. It was just amazing. Chicken would dance for, I don't know, 30 seconds or what have you, and then he'd show them all back out. Well, what it was, the chicken was standing on a hot plate. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Good stuff. Of course, everybody in the world wrote a book about Elvis, including his, uh, his nurse, <laughs> she wrote about, and I have them all. By the way, I brought all this stuff from my library. Yeah. I called him Babe, 
Elvis Presley's nurse remembers. Everyone cashed in on poor Elvis. There's a picture of Marion Cock, Cocky or whatever her name is. But anyway, she... Uh, Wait a minute. Wasn't that uh, Nurse Ratchet in One does, Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? It sort of does look like Nurse Ratchet <laughs> a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> but anyway, uh, she took care of him. He had to go to a Baptist hospital. Mm-hmm. For something, I don't know what, and they got a suite of always got a suite of rooms sure. with all those guys piled in there, right, even right. in the hospital. So, but anyway, he she ended up uh, taking care of him, mm-hmm. and she he liked her so much that he hired her to come out to the house and be his private nurse. I mean, I mean, it had to be a full time job just shoveling those pills. <laughs> I don't mean wow. That in a bad way, but <laughs> well, there, and, and you know, just way? like the story from uh, from Mike in the uh, Salem Magazine, you know, had his doctor travel with him wherever he went. So everybody got their little. piece. Everybody has an Elvis story. Well, I guess. yeah, everybody got their little piece of Elvis. Yeah. Let's let's face it. All right, uh, do we want to dive into seconds guessing? And something tells me this has to do with Elvis. Oh, it's going to be all Elvis all the time, oh, baby. Boy. And what you will win okay. if you can. There are only ten of them. I think they're all pretty easy. Is a framed velvet Elvis and an Elvis bobblehead. <laughs> We're going to give you twice as much for the money today. The uh, the framed velvet Elvis is always very nice, <laughs> appropriate for any room. Okay, okay. So you think you want to try this? Uh, I, yes. Okay, here okay. goes. Good luck, term. You got it. Good luck, charm. Hanging on my arm. That's a prime example, by the way, of the uh, Jordanaires. Oh, okay. Singing background. Okay, all right. That, uh-huh. That's uh-huh. them. It is. Here's another one. A little tougher. That is a, that's a lot tougher. I know it, but I'm drawing a blank. Latest flame. Oh. Okay. Is this a little sister? It is a little okay. sister. I'm proud of you. All right, here's one of my favorites, but listen to that. Ooh. The Jordan Airs. The next line is the name of the song. Such an easy question. Why don't really? I have oh. an answer? Oh, okay. Tell me. You look, look like an angel. Look like an angel. That's not the name of it. Like an angel. Wrong. Devil, devil in disguise. Oh, oh you like got it. You did. But I got wise. That's a devil in disguise. Yeah. You're doing, you're doing pretty good. Most of this music was before you were just little Larry when a lot of this stuff <laughs> yeah. came out. Here's another one. I take a look at you and me. Are we too blind to see? Do we simply turn our heads? In the ghetto. You got it. In the ghetto. One of his more beautiful songs, I think, really. Here's another one. Suspicious Mind. You're no fun at all. You're just knocking them out of the park. Well, some right. of the Elvis songs you've got to listen further. I know that was yeah. I try not to <laughs> give you. I don't want to give you too much to work with. You're doing pretty daggone okay. well anyway. Her hair is so 
this one's gonna get me. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm blank. She's not you. Oh, okay. I don't think I've heard that one before. Oh, of course I'll you have, have to dig into my Elvis songs. She's everything a guy could want, but she's not you. Got it. This one's tough, too, I think. Today I stumble from my bed With thunder crashing in my head My pillow's still And I give you a lot of it. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I'm just drawing a blank on the song title. Daddy Don't Cry. Ah. Daddy Don't Cry. Okay. Do you remember it? Yeah, I remember it. Did you play it? Uh, probably as an oldie, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. You probably did. Uh, I played most of these as newies and oldies. So here's the last one. Okay. You'll recognize this one if you were paying attention a week or two ago. <laughs> Guitar Man? Absolutely. Well, I, quit my job down at the car. I still like that song. Oh, what a great song. Yeah, yeah. I think Guitar Man is one of my new favorites. Uh, but one of my all-time Elvis favorites, Viva Las Vegas. Oh, really? Yeah. Always like that song. Well, you know what? It was a good song. And, of course, it got used in the TV show of the same mm -hmm. name. Yep. Uh, which I thought was kind of neat Yep. that they brought it back for that. All right. I guess we have uh, gotten to the point where we get to uh, Radio Tales. And there is a um, connection between a family member. Yeah, there, there is. And I'm sorry this story is going to go on for about five minutes, but <clears throat> I tried and tried to get it down a little bit. I'll tell you it's well worth it when you get to the end okay. of it, okay? All right. Uh, it's a studio story, I'd like to say. Okay. This is a story about famous RCA Studio B in Nashville and my and Elnor Blah. Many years ago, some of my family decided to be fun to drive down to Nashville for a couple of days. So we went down there and we attended the Grand Ole Opry and its brand new digs and saw a few sites and went to Opry Land, which was still there. And we, did, we had a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. I love my family. They're fun. And my family's hysterical. They're just a lot of fun to be around. So they drove down 81, picked up some of my folks, other folks in the valley around Woodstock. They yeah. came down from Maryland. Mm -hmm. They picked up people in the valley. And I said, well, on your way through on 81, just stop over in Salem and pick up old Lair. I've decided I'm going down with you. <laughs> and so they agreed to do that. So we got down there, mm -hmm. and we do the Opry the first night. <clears throat> then we head out the next day and start touring around the city of Nashville to see the sights during the day. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you that Nashville is one hot place in the summertime, <laughs> hot and humid, so as we're leaving the Country Music Hall of Fame, I spot around the corner mm -hmm. RCA's famous Studio B, where all of these, most of these Elvis songs were recorded, all mm -hmm. of his hit records, plus a whole bunch of other people I'll mention in a few minutes. I mean, this is a legendary studio. Sure, and sure. I'm going, oh, my God, it's RCA. <laughs> I'm such a kid. So my folks uh, all agreed. There are about eight or ten of us, I guess, lugging around. They agreed, well, yeah, we can go in there. It's, it's probably dark and cool. That's the only reason they wanted to go in. <laughs> so the tour starts with the main control room where all these great hits for Elvis and the Everly Brothers yeah. and all these other people were mixed and mastered. And I'm in there and, oh, my God, you know, the Ampexes and the dials. <laughs> and this. And I was fascinated with every knob. My family, on the other hand, uh, not so much. Uh, they would have found the control room far more interesting had RCA installed a buffet. 
I don't think we missed a single buffet the whole time we were there. Sadly, my family offered measure, often measured the worth of a restaurant by the number of pounds you got for $7. <laughs> really discriminating either of those people. So while he's explaining that RCA Studio B was home to and run by none other than Chet Atkins, that's where his wow. office was, yes, yeah. uh, who produced his own music there and often, by the way, sat in on other people's recordings. He shows up on a lot of Elvis's sessions. They say, mm-hmm. you know, we, we could use a good guitar player. Do you know of one? Well, yeah, let's go down the hall and drag Chet Atkins in. He'd come in. But he also produced a lot of songs there, too. So while he's gone into all of this stuff about the history, mm-hmm. none of us has noticed that my Aunt Eleanor had sneaked off into some dark corner to get a quick nap. <laughs> now, I should tell you at this point that my Aunt Eleanor Bly was one of the great nappers of our time. <laughs> she had raised four kids and her husband, and I mean that just the way it sounded, and they were all a handful, and so she was always tired, always <laughs> tired. In fact, she was the only person I ever knew. Yeah who could take a nap standing up. you go into the kitchen, and there she'd be, leaned up against the sink, <laughs> sound asleep. I'm not kidding you. Well, the tour now moves from the control room yeah. to the main studio. Okay. Where all the musicians have to record. The studios really, by the way, aren't that interesting. Mm-hmm. You know that. Right, I know right. that. They're just big rooms sure. with a bunch of microphones and chords going everywhere. Maybe a grand piano. A beat-up uh, upright piano, probably played by Floyd Kramer, who sat in on a lot of these. Sure, sure. The musicians, of course, show up with their own instruments, so in between recording all these country and rock record hits, it's not much to see. It's just a big room. Okay. But I'm fascinated by sure. you know, all the people who were here. The magic is what happens. Even Dolly Parton recorded there. So we're in this dimly lit room, and he's explaining that Elvis produced most of his big hits here. And at that point, he moves to a light dimmer, and he says, Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to show you the mic, the bar stool, and the music stand where the king sang his heart out and all of his hit records. And he brings up this little spotlight, and there she is, my Aunt Eleanor Bly, Snoring away, her glasses half off her face, drooling, taking a nap in what she thought was a quiet little corner of this building. Well, of course, between the light and the explosion of laughter from our entire group, it about scared her to death, and that made it all the more funny. And that's how my Aunt Eleanor Bly and Elvis intersected, if only by accident and for a brief and unexpected moment. Isn't that a great story? By the way, Barry Gibb uh, of the BGs has yeah. just recorded an album there. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's just recorded an album there. Brought a lot of people like Dolly back in. She said, I'm so thrilled. This is where I recorded some of my early hits, yeah. and here I stand in the same spot with Barry Gibb. Neat. Hey, uh, that studio is uh, probably uh, as popular as Muscle Shoals. Well, it is now, but it almost wasn't. Mm. Uh, about 10 years ago, maybe yeah. 15 years ago, RCA gave it up. And um, I don't know why. I don't know where they went. But mm-hmm. anyway, because they're still in business. But anyway, they almost tore the studio down. Wow. And finally, a group of people, including musicians, say, are you crazy? This, is, this should be restored back mm-hmm. to the 70s. Sure. And so uh, I gave money toward, not a lot, but mm-hmm. I gave maybe 100 bucks, And millions of people across America embraced it and gave money. And they saved it. And then they gave it to the Country Music Hall of Fame. And they operate it. And oh, that's great. they take tours, yeah. but they also make it available for actual recording sessions. And, you know, that's good because, uh, I mean, you think about it today, 
folks can record on their laptop, and it's just not the same. Nope, it's not the same. So the lure is no longer there. Yeah. So anyway, that's, it. that's my Aunt Eleanor story. Good stuff. Good stuff. God rest her soul. She was a wonderful person, and her family worked her nearly to death. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we put the wraps on uh, this episode? I think we should. And uh, Elvis's 86th birthday. Mm, wow. Thanks for joining us for episode 10. There's more Elvis on Larry Dowdy. Mike's side, Kenny Shelton, talks about Elvis and what it's like being an Elvis impersonator. If you'd like two Larrys on a mic, click on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like this podcast, leave a review. And I hope you'll share the podcast with your friends. One of our people, by the way, did. you sent this over to me. He said, uh, we, we enjoy the podcast and yeah, all the lot, yeah. but we hope that you won't be doing any rap. <laughs> now, what are the chances of two old white men doing that? Slim, <laughs> Slim and none. <laughs> and what was it uh, Elvis's announcer would always say after the show? And I think we should, too. And hope you'll join us next time for Two Larrys and a Mike. I'm Larry Downey. I'm Larry Bly. And? And? Mike? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> He's still out. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>